0: take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 2. Romans, chapter 2 is where we're going to be at, for the most part, this morning. Romans, chapter 2. And as you're turning there, you know, in Romans, chapter 1, Paul very, very clearly introduces the wrath of God upon a pagan world. And when you think about that, you say, man, this really, chapter 1, really deals with a God who is maybe from an outsider's view looking in, very harsh. Maybe even angry. Maybe even distant from what we often hear of his love. But yet he is just. And so he very clearly introduces the wrath of God upon this pagan world. And he shared very candidly the sinfulness of the Gentile people and how they were very deserving of God's wrath. And we looked at some of the passages in the Pauline epistles where he goes through a whole list of sins and he says... And such were, were some of you. And I'm so thankful because God does a work in our lives and He changes us and He, he recreates in us a clean heart and He produces in us something that different than what, what we were before we trusted in Christ, right? And so it becomes part of our history, part of what is past tense in our lives. He says, such were some of you. But Paul went so far as to say that even because of what can be seen in the creation around us, It has to point to one thing. There is a Creator. This world didn't just just happen by itself. Somebody had to put it together. Somebody had to create it. And because it's obvious to all of us that somebody did do this, He said, you are without excuse. And we saw that in chapter 1, uh, verse 20. But God revealed Himself to them, but they rejected Him. In John, it even tells us in the beginning of John 3, it says, For he came unto his own, and his own, what? Received him not. So they were very deserving. They rejected him, but they were deserving of his wrath. So furthermore, they have utterly failed to generate any righteousness of their own to warrant God's mercy and his grace. In and of themselves, God's word reminds us in Romans three twenty three: For all have sinned and what? Fall short of the glory of God. And God's word makes it very clear that we have no righteousness of our own. So therefore, everything that he introduces in chapter 1 concerning the wrath of God, it was very clear that we were deserving of that. But I also said, in noticing the wrath of God, we also see his justness. That he is a just God And because He is a just God and because He loves us so much, and that's something we often concentrate on his love, but not not His wrath. But because He does love us, He does offer what? Mercy and grace and forgiveness. I think of every attribute known to man that God possesses, everything that we can think of who God is, my favorite thing that I see of God, at least it speaks to my heart, is His forgiveness. I'm thankful that I serve a God who is forgiving. He doesn't hold His wrath against me forever. And He's patient and He's long-suffering, as we're going to see in just a little bit. But in everything that you see of God, He is a forgiving God. A gracious God. A merciful God. Because if every one of us got what we truly deserved, we would be spending eternity in hell. That's fact. Amen? That's what we deserve. And God's word makes it clear, as we mentioned last week, that all of our righteousness is our filthy rags. Verse we didn't talk about, but it's familiar, Jeremiah seventeen says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? We have a pretty strong opinion of ourselves most of the time. We think we're pretty good people. And we're gonna see that even the Jews thought that, well, we're better than everyone else, and we're gonna, because we're better and because we hold to the law, we're gonna escape some of the wrath that God's gonna give mankind. We're above that. No? We're all on this, underneath the same umbrella, so to speak. But we see God giving us His grace and His mercy as we come into chapters 2 and 3 and following. We're not all the way through there yet. But, to, but today, in the next text of Scripture, Paul turns his attention to the Jews. Last week, he's talking about the pagan world, and specifically, he's talking about the Gentile world, how they were in sin, and they rejected God, but now he turns his attention towards the Jewish people. And he says, you're basically in the same boat as the Gentiles. You just don't think of it that way. So we're going to look at the text, and then we're going to open in a word of prayer. John, or Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 is what we're going to be at today. So if you would follow along as I read. It says, therefore you are inexcusable, or without excuse, O man, whoever you who, are, who judge. For whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O oh man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one, according to his deeds, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also to the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek." For there is no partiality with God. Lord, as we come before you this morning, Lord, we saw last week, Lord, you are a God of wrath. But Lord, we also saw, Lord, you are a God of grace and mercy because you love us. And Lord, as we read today, Lord, he turns his attention from the Gentiles to the Jewish people. Lord, there's so many things that we can learn from this, Lord, and apply to our own hearts and our lives, Lord. And Lord God, I pray that we might have come today, Lord, to learn what your word says, that we may apply it to our hearts and our lives, Lord, and that we may draw closer to you and become more like you as a result of being here this day. So God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, for it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, first of all, what I want us to start with, first of all, is the nature and reality of God's wrath. The nature and reality of God's wrath. And the first thing I want you to understand is that he is an impartial God. When we think about that, you say, well, can you really be impartial? I think every one of us in this room practices, to some extent, a degree of partiality. For example, those of you that know me, I'm partial to Chevys. My dad was a Chevy guy. I like Chevys, therefore I just think they're the best. And if you don't like Chevys, well, you know, that's all right. You have the right to be wrong. It's okay. <laughs> We're all partial to something. You know, I've been to India. I like Indian food. But in, and in this area, there are four or five Indian restaurants. But I'm partial to one. I think it's good. I like the flavors of it. I think the flavors are distinct. Oh, Though I'll eat them all. I'm partial to one. Anybody ever have some, a circumstance like that? You're, you're partial. We, we show partiality. And I know I hear I, I hear mothers specifically say this from time to time. I know I'm not supposed to have favorites with my kids, but I really like yeah, you're guilty. You know, this this one will do this and this one will do that. And you say, oh, it just, it just warms my heart and they do that and they show partiality. But when it comes to God, he says, you're all in the same boat. Last week, he kind of directed his attention towards in Romans 1 towards the Gentile people and the pagan people. And this week, he says, really? But really, you Jewish people, you're not much different. You're in the same boat. And I'm not going to show favoritism towards you and impartiality towards you just because you think you're better. Emphasis on you think you're better. See, God's Word is very clear. And I mentioned this earlier, but all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In God's word, he goes on to say, not by works of righteousness, which I have done. You see, you can't keep enough of the laws. You can't keep enough of the rules and regulations to merit your own righteousness before a holy God. None of us. We all fell short in that area. So the reality, first of all, is that he's impartial. And the Druze truly did believe that they were better. They believed that they had a higher morality. They believed that they had observed the law. They thought because we have this this system, this code of rules and regulations that we follow, we're better than everyone else. But really, God's Word makes it very clear that if you break the law in one part, you've broken it in every part. Because the reality is, if you're you're guilty in one part, you're guilty in all. The reality is, you cannot be good enough. But the Jews believed, first of all, that they were better. That they had a higher morality because they observed the law. Number two, the Jews were actually hypocrites. Look at verse 2 in our text. It says, But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. The reality is, they were guilty of doing the very things that they were criticizing others of doing. He says, Go on to verse 3. And you think this, O man, you who judge those who are practicing such things and doing the same. He says, you accuse others of doing these things, but you're doing the same. But somehow it was different if we're doing it than if you're doing it. Do as I say, not as I do. Right? The reality is they were just as guilty. But you know the old saying, if I point the finger at someone else who's doing something wrong, guess what? I have three fingers pointing back at myself. The reality is they're pointing the finger, but they were guilty of the very things that they're pointing that finger at others for doing. Very clearly. Verse 3, And you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same yourself. You see, in reality, they were hypocrites. Judging others, he says, they condemned themselves. And I know you know the definition of a hypocrite. But just as a reminder, a hypocrite is somebody who pretends to be something that they're not. And of course in the Latin, the idea and the word story is that there is a drama taking place on stage. And everybody's in costume and they're playing a role that is not really them. They're hypocrites. Because the real them is who they are when they go backstage and take the mask off, take the costume off. That's who they really are. He says, "In essence, you guys are hypocrites. You condemn others for doing the very things that you're doing yourselves." And he said, and "In judging others, you condemn yourself. You prove your own guilt. And that's why he comes back to the end and says, "You are without excuse At the end of verse one, or beginning of verse one. You are inexcusable. You think you're better, but you're not." The things that you accuse others of, you're doing yourselves. You condemn others, but you're actually condemning yourselves and proving your own guilt. You're inexcusable. You're without excuse. And you will face God's God's wrath. Secondly, notice the characteristics of God's judgment. I'm going to give you the three characteristics of God's judgment and then I'm going to come back and break them down individually. First of all, according to verse 2, God's judgment is according to truth. He says, but we know that the judgment of God is a According to truth number two God's judgment will be dispersed according to man's deeds according to verse 6 he says this who will render to each one according to his deeds so God's judgment is according to truth God's judgment will be dispersed according to man's deeds and number three according to verse 11 says for there is no partiality to God God's judgment is without partiality let's break them down just for a moment first of all God's judgment is according to truth but notice the attitude of the Jews you see this in verse 3. And do you think this, O oh man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? First of all, their attitude, it was like they were exempt from God's judgment. They thought, oh, this is something that God is going to do towards the Gentiles, towards the pagan world. And just for a moment, do you think that you're going to escape this? No, but they thought they would because of the rules, because of the regulations, because of what they followed. In fact, if you keep your finger in Romans chapter 2 and turn back to the book of Matthew and chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it says this. Actually, actually verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance... And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children of, to Abraham from these stones. So here's the idea. They thought, well, Abraham's our father. We follow all these rules and regulations. We observe all these laws, all these days of feast. We, we, are, we have all these guidelines that we fit into the parameters of. And because of that, we are better. We're superiority. And we're not going to have to go through the judgment of God. Mistake. Because God... Shows wrath to all who live in sin and choose to reject God. It was like they were exempt from God's judgment. But let me just say this, friend. Nobody and nobody in this room is is exempt from God's wrath and God's judgment apart from repentance and faith in Him. Number two, not only was it like they were exempt from God's judgment, number two, it was like they were indifferent to God's grace and mercy. Look at verse four. It says, or you, de- or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? It was like they were indifferent to God's grace and mercy. See, God's patience for them was not unintentional. He was patiently giving them opportunity to repent. I think most of us, as parents, have exercised this same principle in our own life. How many times have our kids done something wrong? We say, go to your room now. Because you know if they stay in front of you, you're going to do something you're going to regret. But partly because they need a minute to think and settle down and and you need a minute to think and settle down. But you send them away. Are they guilty? Yes. Do they need a minute? Yes. And then you come back a little bit later. But here's what I find out. You send them in the room to do what? To just sit a minute, to think through what they did, to maybe even think about what the consequence should be for what they've done. But whatever the case is, you've exercised patience with the idea that you're going to come back a little bit later and see repentance, right? Isn't that what God was doing? He says, Do you despise the riches of His goodness? Is forbearance and long-suffering. Do you know what forbearance is? It's not a word that we use a lot in our everyday vernacular anymore. Do you know what forbearance is? Patience. But it's patience with a purpose. I'm exercising patience so that you will come to the reality that what you did was wrong. We're going to come back to this. So he's long-suffering. In other words, he didn't just immediately cast judgment. He didn't immediately give his wrath. He didn't immediately exercise his punishment. He was long-suffering. He was patient. Why? So that you would come to the sense that yeah, I, what I did was wrong, and I need to repent of it. And here's the reality with the Jewish people. They thought, or they were indifferent to God's grace. They, they mistaked God's patience for the idea that they were exempt. But they weren't. They were indifferent to God's grace. And then number three, Kentod rendition. It was like they were laying up wheelbarrows of future severe wrath from God. See that in verse five. Look at this. This is amazing to me. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself, wrath. Just stop right there for a minute. He gives us two words, once again, words that we don't use a lot in our everyday language, but you understand what a hard heart is, and you understand what an impenitent heart is. An impenitent means I refuse to apologize. I refuse, and once again, parents, we've seen this with our kids, you see that one child has done something against another child. They they hit him, they smacked them. they... You know, spit on them, bit on them, they stole their toys and whatever. And you, as a parent, are coming in to exercise justice here. And you say, Tell them you're sorry. Tell your brother you're sorry. No. Tell your brother sorry. No. Tell your brother sorry. I'm not going to do it. Tell your brother you're sorry. Now, I know none of your kids have never done that, ever. This is what they were doing. As adults, he says, verse 5. But in accordance with the hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring. It's like they're throwing in the wheelbarrow more wrath, more wrath, more wrath. And they're just going to wheel it around until they get to the day of wrath and revelation of God's judgment. He says they're heaping upon themselves more wrath and more wrath. Why? Because they're shaking their fists in the face of God saying, No. He says your hard heart, your impenitent, unrepentant heart, With that, you are heaping up wrath. In the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And here's what he says, in that day of wrath, it will be righteous judgment. It's not like they can say, well, God, why are you doing this? God, I don't deserve this. God, this isn't right. Everything that they were doing deserved the very judgment that they were going to receive. And can I just say this one point of application for every one of us in this room? We deserve every bit of judgment that God would bestow upon us. But for the grace of God, but for his mercy, we would spend eternity in hell. God is gracious to us, lest we forget. I'm reminded we haven't even got to it yet. But in Romans where it says, shall I continue in my sin because grace abounds? Depending on your translation, it may say, God forbid. It may say, certainly not. In some of your translations, it may say, may it never be so. Because that would be shaking a a fist in the face of God saying, I don't deserve this. And yet, going back to verse 1, you're inexcusable. Referring to the Jewish people, but to all of us under the wrath of God. So number one, it was like they were exempt from God's judgment, verse 3. It was like they were indifferent to God's grace and mercy, verse 4. It was like they were laying up wheelbarrows of wrath, in verse 5. They will be judged, however, according to their deeds, according to verse 5. Well, secondly, God's wrath is according to two types of people. First of all, in verse 7 and verse 8, it says those who patiently do good, and then the second group, those who are self-seeking. Look at verse 7 with me, if you would. Verse 7 says, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. And then verse 8, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. So he says the wrath is directed towards two people. Those who patiently do good. I'm thankful for those people. You know, it's not always the easiest thing to do good. Those who are self-seeking, yeah, it's hard to serve those people. To those who patiently do good, he says, there's a reward for that. To those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, there is a consequence for that as well. To those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, you get indignation, wrath, tribulation, anguish, and it's all deserved. But to those who are working good, you get glory, honor, and peace. I think about this often in this world that we're living in, especially in this day and age that we're living in. Man, you look what going on what's going on all around the world, especially in our country. Every other country is looking at the U.S. and saying, what is going on? Have they lost their minds over there? It's crazy what's going on in our world. Riots, And they're not protests. They're riots. It's looting. It's burning. It's stealing. It's chaos. Right? You look at everything that's happening and you say, that has a consequence. Every choice has consequences. When we patiently do what's right, generally speaking, there's peace. But when you consistently, generally speaking, do wrong... Yep, there's indignation, wrath, tribulation, trouble, anguish. Every choice has consequences. And I may have been thinking over and over again, if you just do what's right, generally speaking, you don't have to worry about trouble. You do what's right, you don't have to worry about it. But if you're going to continuously do wrong, yeah, there's fear, there's trouble, there's anguish. Because every choice, both good and bad, has consequences. But these are awesome. To those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, you get indignation, wrath, tribulation, anguish. To those who are patiently working good, you get glory, honor, and peace. Which one would you rather have? I want to walk with God. I I want to hear the words that he is telling these Jewish people. Do right. And as a result of doing right, there are those consequences of doing what's right. You get glory, honor, and peace. But I love what it says in verse eleven. It says, but glory verse ten, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. I have found in my life it's hard to be impartial. It's hard. Let me give you an example, see if you can relate to it just for a moment. Over the last couple of days we've had some really nice weather outside. Anybody not enjoying the sunshine? Nice, beautiful blue skies. Gorgeous. But I've noticed something. As soon as the weather started to change, on every street corner in Henrietta, the Greece, Gates, all of Rochester, you know what came out of the woodwork? Homeless. Anything helps. Anybody seen them? Just two of you? Everywhere. I think I counted nine in about a twenty-minute span the other day. Nine people on every corner. Let me tell you how easy it is to be impartial or to show impartiality or partiality. As soon as you see one, in our minds, maybe 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 you're better than this, but me, there's a series of things that go through my mind. Homeless? Yeah, right. This is a second job, third job. Right. Homeless. Mm-hmm. Right. Anybody else have that thought? Because so I've seen the reports on CBS. I've seen John Stossel, whatever his name is, go in and, and follow him until they get to their nice Beamer and get it. That's not real. Second one. They're there because they've made a series of poor choices. Shame on them. Try on Anybody else have that one? Let's be honest. You know you're lying. If you hadn't thought it, you're lying. (laughs) Number three. If I help them, they're just going to go buy more drugs and alcohol. Come on, let's be honest. As soon as we see those people, immediately what comes to our mind is there's a reason they're there. True. Good or bad. There's a reason they're there. And in our minds, we think we know their life story even though we don't know their life story. But we think we do. And it's really hard not to be partial because we all have an opinion. And the only way to know the truth, I think, is two things. Number one, with the discernment of the Holy Spirit, but even to get... To the second step, you have to have a conversation. But that leads us to another whole string of problems. Number one, we're not going to take the time to pray and figure out what the, what the story is. And number two, we're not going to stop because if I stop, they're probably going to knife me or something. They're dangerous. They might throw a gun if nobody else is around. Right? You guys are all laughing because you know it's what goes through your minds. But we don't know because we don't pray and we don't have a conversation and by the way I'm not just saying next time you see one stop I'm not saying that I'm just saying it's hard for us to be fair but with God there's no impartiality he says I'm an impartial God and he says I look at all of you the same I love you all the same and because I love you and I care for you I want what's best for you. But every choice has a consequence. Your sinfulness has a consequence and your righteousness has a consequence. And by the way, you have no righteousness of your own, but through faith and repentance we can come in good standing with God. But the reality is, verse 11, for there is no partiality with God. He treats us all the same. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. Isn't that awesome? He doesn't say, well, you're you're of this tribe or you're of this social status, you're of this academic eliteness, you're of this part of town, therefore you get exclusive benefits. It doesn't work that way. He treats us all the same. I have this question in closing. If God doesn't show partiality and he treats everyone the same, shouldn't we do the same? Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we love all people? We talk about that. We have a lot of messages on God's love. We're to exercise God's love. Don't don't we love people equally? Now, apart from our partiality, we could. But God loves us. And he offers all of us the gift of salvation. And apart from that gift, we're under God's wrath. Jews thought they were better. And there's times that... We think we're better than others because of what we do or don't do. But all of us are under God's wrath, apart from his grace and mercy. I don't know about you, but we need that. We need his grace. We need his mercy. We need to understand his love towards us. I don't know about you, but over and over, I see that, yes, he is a just God. And because he is just, he is going to exercise wrath. But we can know one thing. It's going to be fair. It's going to be impartial. And when we trust Him, He forgives. He gives grace. He gives mercy. I need that. I want that. I long for that. How about you? He's impartial. And if God looks at all people with complete justice and fairness, We should as well. It's not my place to judge. Because in judging, I'm just like that Jewish person. It is my job to love and to share and to be the person God wants me to be. Lord, as we come before you this morning, I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts. God, I know that so often, Lord, we are hypocritical, Lord, like these Jewish people were. There are times that we are conceited, we think we're better than others, like the Jewish people did. And yet, Lord, we're all under your wrath apart from your grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Lord, I pray that we might learn from this text of Scripture, Lord, might we learn that you are a gracious God, that you are a merciful God, Lord, but not to be taken for granted. Lord God, I pray you to speak to our hearts this morning. Help us to learn. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and each and every week we have an opportunity to respond to the things that we've heard from God's word. I don't know about you, but I'm reminded as I read through the characteristics of these Jewish people who thought they were so good, they're not as good as they think they were. They were hypocritical. In judging others, they condemn themselves, God's word says. I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself acting similarly. Oh, maybe this morning God's reminding us that none of us are perfect. Last week he dealt with the Gentiles, this week with the Jewish people, and he says you're all without excuse. But for the grace of God. But for his mercy. Maybe you're reminded this morning not to take God's grace and mercy for granted. Not to cast the stones, not to be judgmental towards others, but to simply remind others who God is. That he is a great God who is patient and long-suffering, just like we are to our parents or to our children at times our Heavenly Father is to us. I say, Pastor, this morning God spoke to my heart. There's some things I need to change, some things I need to consider. Would you pray for me this morning? Yes, yes. In front, in the back, in the side, over here. Anyone else say, Pastor, if that's me, I need need to change in some areas. Yes, in front. Can I just challenge those of you who lifted your hand, your heart towards the Lord this morning, just take a minute and pray. Sometimes we can be just like those Jewish people, be so proud and arrogant. Well, I'm not involved in that sin, and I don't get involved in this area and that sinfulness, and we have a pretty high opinion of ourselves, and we think that one day we're going to escape the judgment of God because we're just better than everyone. No, we're all under the same wrath, but for the grace of God. Just take a moment and pray. Thank God for His forgiveness and His patience. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Lord, across the auditorium this morning, many have raised their hand, their hearts to you. Lord, thank you for the reminder of your word, Lord, that you are a great and gracious God, but you're also a God of wrath and judgment. And that every choice has consequences. I pray, Lord, that we would choose to submit ourselves to you that we would choose to walk in patient obedience. Lord, for each one of us who raised our hand and our heart towards you this morning, Lord, might we draw, uh, come into, Lord, uh, a place, Lord, where we're walking in fellowship with you. May we not judge others, but, Lord, simply share truth. May we live out our faith. And we'll praise you for it. We'll raise our hand towards you this week, Lord, that you would just give them victory. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.